Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, September 15th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. How unfair does it seem that Kansas State quarterback Skylar Thompson suffered that knee injury against Southern Illinois last weekend? Thompson missed more than half of last year with an injury, returned for a sixth season, and boom, gets hurt on a non-contact play. On today's show, beat writer Kellis Robinette and I discuss where Kansas State goes from here and the difficult task that approaches Sunday with Nevada playing in Manhattan. The Wolf Pack is led by a quarterback in Carson Strong, who's getting much love as an NFL prospect these days, and Nevada is actually favored in this game. After a break, we'll stay on the college front, and you'll meet Lila Bromberg, the star's new Missouri beat writer. Lila sat down with Vahe Gregorian and me to talk about her path to Kansas City. So let's get started talking Kansas State with Kellis Robinette. Kellis, uh, Kansas State, what bad, bad luck for Skylar Thompson on Saturday and the victory over Southern Illinois. I couldn't believe it when I saw the tweets and then saw the replay of it. What is the latest on the Skylar Thompson injury? And then just take us through how it happened on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it was as bizarre an injury play as you'll ever see. Um, He wasn't hit. He wasn't trying to hit anybody, not throwing. He wasn't doing anything. He just uh, handed a ball off to Deuce Vaughn, their running back, who took off going left. Then he decided to reverse field and come back to the right, which put Skylar Thompson in a scenario where he could come up and block. Uh, And as he moved to charge ahead and try to get in somebody's way, one or two steps into that, he started clutching his right knee from behind, just collapsed to the ground. I mean, it sounds bad, but it looked like he just got shot or something. You know, that's just how dramatic he was falling to the ground. And it certainly looked like his season was over at that point. You know, you don't see people flop to the ground like that. He was he was screaming, crying in agony. Chris Kleiman came out and had just this ghostly reaction to the whole thing. Um, so it looked very bad at the time. But, you know, lo and behold, a day later, we find out it's not season ending. He should be back in a matter of weeks. How many weeks is uh, up for debate? I've heard probably two, three, or four. They're pretty uncommittal right now. Chris Kleiman said today he's just week to week. Wouldn't even necessarily rule him out for two weeks from now against Oklahoma State. I think that's a little early, just based on the fact that he's really not doing anything right now and of how bad it looked initially. But I would think, give him three weeks or four weeks, I think you see him back on the field against Oklahoma or Iowa State. Okay, he walked into the locker room. I thought, okay, there's the first encouraging sign. He showed so much agony on the field and frustration, but then, you know, he didn't have his arms draped around trainers or anything. He walked into the locker room and I thought, okay, okay, maybe I, I had a flashback to Patrick Mahomes in Denver a couple of years ago when his kneecap went sideways and he ended up walking into the locker room, but Mahomes missed a couple of weeks, uh, the rest of that game and the next two. You're right. I think overly optimistic to think Skylar Thompson could be back in a matter of a couple of weeks. So Kansas State hasn't announced what the injury is, right? I mean, if it was torn ACL, then we could just all agree the season would be over. But they haven't said that. They have not. Um, they've been, you know, especially when it comes to Skylar Thompson, for whatever reason, they don't like to publicly say what the injury is. They've never even publicly said what his injury was last year. Um, even though he's got a huge scar on his pectoral muscle right here that we saw during summer camp. So it's pretty obvious what happened. Um, not, no, I can't tell from sources I've talked to, I can tell you it was most definitely not the ACL. That's what they feared originally. 
but they ruled that out pretty quickly. And that's why much like Mahomes, I had the same flashback, why Skylar Thompson was able to walk into the locker room. I've heard it was actually the other L, the PCL that's bothering yeah. him. And that's a much more manageable recovery time, probably a, a sprain based on what, what I've heard. Um, and if that's the case, then just purely, it'll purely be down to how his body responds to it could be anywhere from, from two to four weeks. Okay, so the Will Howard era continues for Kansas State. And, you know, it was mixed reviews last year. I think he won his first start a year ago when Skylar Thompson was was injured. Maybe a couple of starts. Didn't he go – I'm trying to think of who they played. Was it TCU or Tech or somebody? Right. So he, he came in after Skylar Thompson got hurt against Texas Tech and closed out the victory. He had a really good pass to do spawn late in the game. Early nice pass to Bradley Moore late in the game. They win a shootout. Then they go to TCU. They win a low-scoring game. And then they come back and they play Kansas and win that game because anybody can beat Kansas in football. I mean, at that point, you know, he's 3-0. and Everybody's saying, oh, you know, dang, this is looking pretty good. Um, you know, if he just keeps managing the game and the defense plays really good, maybe they can uh, keep winning. Didn't happen. The bottom fell out on the defense. Um, offense had some injuries. Will Howard started not – play nearly as good lost the last five games didn't really look all that great at any point doing it and then he comes in this last week and only puts up 76 passing yards fumbles a ball throws a pick six just a, a really tough outing for him um and, and honestly had a lot of k-state fans wondering could they look at jaron lewis or even freshman jake rubley i don't think that's going to happen will howard's still by far the best option of the other three so we'll see him this week we'll see him until Skylar thompson gets back um, but the offense is going to be be limited here. We saw after after he turned the ball over those two times against Southern Illinois, they were very, very wary to throw the ball at any point the rest of the game. They uh, they had a drive in the second half. They marched 66 yards in 14 plays and only threw one time. Even on a third and 13, they still ran the ball. So that's kind of kind of going to be the offense moving forward, I think. They'll run it as, uh, as much as they can and sprinkle in passes when they have to. Remind me last season – how uh, Deuce Vaughn played in the second half of the year once the quarterback change was was made? Uh, I mean, he was still pretty good. He just wasn't quite as electric. It kind of went from an every game kind of deal to uh, every other game. I remember when they played West Virginia, that was the first game they lost with Will Howard at quarterback. Um, Deuce Vaughn essentially did, uh, did nothing. He was basically just shut out. Um, West Virginia said, we're going to stop you, and they did. They took him away, and Will Howard couldn't beat him. There were still certain times where Kansas State could get Deuce Vaughn involved. He had a good game against Texas late in the year. They gave up 69 in that game, so it didn't, didn't matter, but Deuce Vaughn played well. Same against Baylor. But there were other games like Iowa State and West Virginia where they, it just wasn't close. The other team said, we're going to stop Deuce Vaughn. You're going to have to pass if you want to beat us. And, and Will Howard, as a true freshman, wasn't ready for that every week. Um, and I assume Nevada, starting with Nevada here, they'll come out and try to do the exact same thing. We're going to put eight in the box. We're going to make you pass. I mean, maybe they're more equipped to handle it this year. Will Howard does look bigger, does look stronger. Uh, people raved about him all offseason. It's possible he just wasn't totally prepared for this last game, had some rust, had some nerves, whatever you want to call it. Maybe he'll be better off this next game. But I'm sure they'll use that same game plan. They're not just going to sit back and say, all right, let, let's uh, let Deuce Vaughn run all over us. They're going to do what they can to limit that and make K-State pass. 
Well, and as fans uh, tend to do, they're, they're always clamoring for the recruit. And, and Jake Rubley comes in with great credentials, right? Four-star pro-style quarterback. But as you were saying, and I imagine Chris Kleiman has said, just maybe not ready yet. Yeah, not ready. And uh, on top of that, um, well, it came as a little bit of a surprise yesterday. Chris Kleiman admitted that he wasn't even sure who the third string quarterback was going to be, which was a little bit of a head scratcher. The only other quarterback they have on the roster is a uh, walk-on named Max Marsh, who uh, I'm sure has some capabilities, but he's not the highest-rated recruit they've had in 10 years like Jake Rubley is. But anyways, Chris Kleiman said today that the reason that there's some confusion there is um, Jake had a soft tissue injury during preseason camp, and there was a lot of time where he couldn't get out there and practice. So he's just behind learning the offense, and he, he said flat out he's just not ready to play right now. So, you know, hopefully you don't have to look any farther down the, the QB depth chart than, than Will Howard moving forward, but uh, if, it, if it does go down, they're going to treat Jake Rubley as uh, the redshirt guy unless there's truly just a weird, you know, emergency option where he has to play. So a sneaky good team coming to Manhattan this weekend. One, I believe now is listed as the Vegas favorite in the game. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, Nevada, the, the Wolf Pack, as opposed to the Wolf Pack of NC State, the Nevada Wolf uh, let's talk about him. And you got to start with uh, Carson Strong, the quarterback. All of a sudden, uh, we might be seeing a first-round draft pick quarterback oppose the Wildcats on Saturday. Uh, yeah, and it's funny you bring up the Wolfpack thing. I actually got a few emails from um, some disgruntled Wolfpack readers who, uh, in my initial preview, I listed them as the Wolfpack, oh. like North Carolina State. No one word. They did not take kindly to that, so... It's Wolf Space Pack, capital W, capital P. I'll never make that mistake again. Sorry, Nevada fans. Um, but that's interesting. Why, why can't they get some uniformity there? That's weird. I mean, there's a bunch of Wildcats out there, but they don't all spell it differently. There's, there's not any team that's Wild Space Cats, is there? No, no no Wildcats or Bull Dogs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need, to, we need to do something about that. Get some uniformity there. Um, but in any case, yes, Nevada. I think they're the best team on Kansas State's non-conference schedule. I know most people lean Stanford because the name Stanford, they're in the Pac-12, and they've been good in the past. But this Nevada team, um, they, yeah, they got Carson Strong. CBS Sports put out a mock draft today that had him as the number one overall pick next year by the Houston Texans, not just a, a first-round hopeful, the number one overall pick. You know, I, I don't know if, if that'll end up happening or not, but you can see why he's getting this kind of hype. He can really sling it. And he's got some really talented receivers, not just talented receivers. They're big guys. His tight end is six foot four and can get out and catch the ball. His two main receivers are six foot two and six foot six. Um, I mean, you talked about a challenge on 50 50 balls um, as a defensive back. I mean, Carson Strong clearly has a good arm and can put the ball where he wants to, but even if he can't, you can just put it up there and hope that his tall receivers can go up and beat shorter defenders for the ball. So that was one thing Kansas State really said today. All their defensive guys said, um, the only two things we can really do to stop this guy are bring a pass rush and win 50-50 balls. And that's going to be tough with tall receivers. So, you know, Nevada's defense isn't anything special. But, yeah, their offense, their offense is something to look at. And, yeah, you're right. I'm not used to seeing Kansas State as a home underdog in a non-conference game. Probably hasn't happened since Auburn came to town a few years ago. But, yeah, Nevada is a two-point favorite in this one. 
Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing this game and watching Carson Strong. I didn't know much about him. I'd heard the name before this year, but then he started just zooming up NFL prospect lists. And listen, you know, the NFL draft last year, as everybody remembers, you know, three quarterbacks went the first three picks and then five in the first round. So quarterbacks are at a premium in the NFL. And this, you know, this could be could be the Zach Wilson, I guess, of this year's draft. So again, very fascinating game. Kansas State's got to get better play from Will Howard than it got last week against the Salukis. Maybe that was the scare, you know, the, the wake-up call. They certainly weren't ready for, you know, a, a different quarterback in that game. And, and Southern Illinois took full advantage of, of the change and, and whatever confusion Kansas State had in that and, and rallied and really threw a scare into the Wildcats for a little while. All right, Kellis, you know how it goes. You, you know the rules here. You and I cannot talk. <laughs> without bringing up Big 12 realignment. And since the last time we talked, uh, Bob Bowlesby made the virtual tour of the new Big 12 landscape. Let's see if I've got the order right. He visited Houston, then BYU, then uh, Central Florida, and then Cincinnati. I can't remember the last last two, but... Yeah, you nailed it in that order. And congrats to you for getting a question in at one of those press conferences. I, tr- I tried in all four and was just totally stiff arm. The mighty Blair Kirkhoff got to ask one. Yeah, and of course, my question's the same as it always is. I'm always concerned about the Big 12 tournament in <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kansas City. And he assured us that uh, that's not going to be threatened. It'll, it'll still be in KC through 2025. But what we don't know, Kellis, is what the league configuration is going to be next year, the year after that. We could have 11 members in the league next year, right? BYU only among the newcomers, along with Texas and Oklahoma. And then maybe Texas and Oklahoma in 2023. I'm talking about football seasons. They leave and uh, and, and all four come in. We There's just speculation about it at this point. There, there, it's just not known. But what, what are some of the other big decisions do you think the, the league has to make here in the next the next few months in terms of getting itself organized for the four newcomers? The, the two big things are when are Oklahoma and Texas leaving? One of these four other teams coming in. I think the, the goal is to have the four here by 2023. Um, and, you know, if ODU and Texas are still around, great. If not, then they'll deal with that when it comes. Um, I don't know that we'll ever see a situation where only one of the teams is in and the others aren't just because, well, the AAC commissioner, Mike Oresco, has already said he's open to letting the teams leave early. And that's a pretty soft stance to open with. So I think as long as the money is right, they'll find their way out. Um, you haven't seen Bob Bowlesby say that. Um, but beyond that, I'm really interested to see what they do, you know, with the division scheduling here. You got to do something. The round robin schedule anymore. It's done. Yeah. Can't do it with 12 teams. I wish you could. It's the fairest way to name a champion, especially in basketball, but it's out. They got to go back to North, South, East, West, old, new, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to call it. They got to do something. And I think that'll be interesting because I think the simplest way to do it is just split it up in two divisions for football, basketball. I don't really know. There are about a million different ways you can schedule that thing. And Bob Bowlesby came out and actually said there would be seasons where teams just aren't playing each other. I don't know what sport that was applying to. I assume football, not basketball, but I, I think that's a big thing. And then then uh, the biggest of all is what's going to happen with their next TV contract. Um, I know that's down the road, not until 2025, but they got to figure that out. They got to get something something on paper that looks comparable to what they have right now so they're not losing a bunch of money. So that, that's really where we stand right now. Yeah, and then how the how the uh, Brigham Young's television network is going to get integrated into the Big 12 and uh, how that's going to work. Yeah, I suppose they also need to figure out how they're going to pay these new schools because 
you know, sometimes they come into leagues, a new team comes into a league and they get a full membership, full payout, same as everybody else. I believe the plan is to, you know, start everybody else off at, you know, half revenue and then build up until 2025. But that's something else they'll have to figure out. Something like that happened with West Virginia and TCU when they came into the league. They were phased into the revenue sharing, didn't get complete shares from the league for a certain amount of time. I can't remember what it was, but the TV revenue is going to be the biggest. I mean, it's the reason realignment happens is because of football television contracts and what a Big 12 football conference with the 12 members uh, is going to be worth or valued at by whoever, ESPN, Fox, networks, streaming services. We can have fun talking about scheduling and and everything else, but the, the value of the television networks is the true unknown and the most important aspect of the new Big 12 going forward. Gene Taylor, he seems pretty confident that they'll do it Yeah, well, and, and to show you how little, uh, you know, idea maybe there is on what the next TV contract to look like, we've already had Kansas AD Travis Goff come out and say that he's very concerned about finances moving forward, only for two days later for the K-State athletic director to come out and say, we're fine, we're not going to make any less money, or if we do, it'll be very minimal. So that just kind of goes to show, uh, you know, how how weird things could be in a few years. Um, but yes, as we talked to Gene Taylor this weekend, um, and I asked him that question, you know, you, you have an $83 million athletic budget here after Oklahoma and Texas leave, how does that going to affect Kansas State's bottom line? I assumed he would say something in line with what Bob Bowlesby previously said, and that his estimate was that everybody's TV revenue might be cut in half or something close to it. Well, Gene Taylor said that basically those words were taken out of context in terms of Big 12 expansion, and that that only applied to if the Big 12 stayed at eight members and tried to do, to do that in perpetuity. But now that they've added four new members, they've created more revenue uh, opportunities, added value to the conference, and at least in his estimation, that after they go out and get all these bidders to come in and you know say they want to start televising Big 12 football, basketball games, that the money's going to be there. If it does go down, it's not going to be um, eight figures. It'll be just seven, and it'll be pretty close to where they are right now. So that's one of the most optimistic projections I've heard. I think I saw one website the other day said that maybe every school could only expect to lose about $6 million per school annually, which I think Big 12 teams would be thrilled about. But uh, that, that's just a big question because we don't know who's going to be bidding on live sports events in three years. Is it going to be Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime? I, I don't know. Maybe NBC wants in. Uh, CBS, now they don't have the SEC. Maybe they want to come in and televise Big 12 games. It's all a mystery right now, but that is the big question because as we've seen for a lot of people, the money that a conference distributes to its members each year almost seems more important than what they actually do on the it's true. Of more immediate concern on the media front is, I know Kansas State fans not happy about some of the future games not on cable television, been picked for Big 12 Plus, the conference is streaming network. And to be honest with you, that's, that's, that is disappointing. Is, is it the Oklahoma State game that's not going to be on, you know, Fox or ESPN? Yeah, so this is actually, this same thing happened two years ago when Kansas State played at Oklahoma State two-star conference play, for whatever reason, the Big 12 and ESPN kind of teamed up and said, this is a, an attractive game and we think people will pay for it. So we want it on ESPN Plus to help launch ESPN Plus and Big 12 Now, their, their in-house network. Made people really mad at the time and uh, it didn't help that the production value in the game was quite poor. They even had a few minutes of the game where lightning struck and the feed went out. And nobody could see anything. And oh man, uh, you'd have thought, I don't know, somebody had been shot. It was... Uh, 
not great. Um, I, I, I think two years later, things have improved there. They played against Southern Illinois in the ESPN Plus. They're going to play Nevada on ESPN Plus. They're going to play Oklahoma State on ESPN Plus. So people kind of know the deal now. If you want to watch watch the game, you know how to get it. But it, it is frustrating for sure, especially when you throw in that their first game was an 11 a.m. kickoff on FS1. If you're into TV ratings and getting the most exposure possible, Kansas State's not getting it in their first four games. I, I personally don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. I think anybody who wants to watch these games still can, but it's more fun to play on ESPN. It's more fun to play on a traditional network. It's more fun to, you know, be able to say we were on national TV than we were streaming only. There's no doubt, but I do think there are plenty of rural areas in the footprint that have connectivity issues and make streaming almost impossible. So that, that's still an issue that, that needs to be resolved. And I'm sure Kansas State and Kansas, Iowa State, others hear about that from their fans. So that's a topic for another day. Hey, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, you are going to hear from our new colleague, Lila Bromberg. She is the new Missouri beat writer. She sat down with Vahe Gregorian and I, and uh, we just talked about her career. And I think you'll enjoy that. So, Callis, we'll talk to you again soon. And uh, thanks for spending some time with us. Anytime, Blair. Let's keep the realignment topics going. Absolutely. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Vahe, I found myself happy earlier because I saw you giving advice to Lila Bromberg on things that involved the laptop and, and the system here. And I'm pretty sure that'll be the last time that we ever see you giving advice to a new employee. So I just want to say I enjoyed seeing that. I almost took a picture to send to Sam McDowell. I, 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 I wish you would out. have because Sam McDowell, upon our introduction to Lila on Twitter, made a point of of using his, his kind of tired line. It is about kind of tired. If you have any technical questions, he's pretty sure I can help you. <laughs> and Lila, being uh, open-minded and, and I'm sure kind-hearted, was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> so she took me right up on it, and I think we'll be taking nothing but advice from her from now on. That's right. Well, Lila, welcome to the Kansas City Star. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, it's, we're thrilled to have you here, and you're going to be covering the University of Missouri, Mizzou, the Tigers. She was asking earlier, how, how often do you use Mizzou versus Missouri and Tigers? That, that's one of the great things about covering Missouri is you got three choices here. Some teams can't use any. <laughs> Washington, Washington Football Club. It's, what, do you, what do you do in separate reference now with Washington? <laughs> that's so true. The football clubs? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I have some friends covering that team that are having that issue. It gets, gets boring after a bit. <laughs> Lila, uh, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? And what were you doing before you got here? 
Yeah, so I am from the DMV, Washington, D.C., Maryland area. Um, grew up there and then uh, was at Maryland for college. Um, so this past summer, I graduated from Maryland in May and then split the summer between interning with Sports Illustrated. And then I took a break in between to go to Tokyo to cover the Olympics uh, for wire service over there. And over the past few years have been covering Maryland football, covered that team for four years and ran a publication there at Maryland. And then also interned with uh, Yahoo Sports and USA Today Sports. Pretty lengthy. I've been hoping to fill in all those things on my resume for the last 60 years. <laughs> you get more done by 23 or 24 or 25 than some of us do uh, in a longer time. That's, but it sounds like what a, what a great set of experiences and how unbelievably cool just, just to have gone to the Olympics. Yeah, it was really cool to be there. It was definitely a unique experience. I was working for the internal uh, news wire there. So basically a service that goes out to media. So doing a lot of reporting and doing interviews, covered a bunch of different sports. But yeah, definitely a unique experience covering that in the Olympics. We had to like spit into a tube every day for uh, COVID testing. So uh, became really good at that and uh, <laughs> ate a lot out of convenience stores with a little quarantine we had. So it was definitely a unique experience. But it was so cool to be there. Certainly suggest you're, you're equipped to take on this strange new landscape of uh, covering Missouri, Missouri sports. Um, and it sounds like you have a real love for college sports and maybe, maybe football in particular. Has that been one of the things you've done most? Yeah, football and basketball. I've done a big mix of, of both of those. And then, you know, obviously covering Maryland, doing a ton of college stuff, and then also was able to do some stuff more on a national level with the NBA and NFL and NHL, but just in internships I had. Yeah, very much kind of a nerd for sports journalism and kind of love finding uh, unique stories within sports and within teams. As you're speaking, I, I, I know this about Blair, I know it about myself, and it's been different for both of us, but I'm curious when you would have sort of thought, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So I knew I wanted to get into journalism probably like when I started working just on school papers and stuff and working for some other publications in middle school. And then in high school, my junior year, I interned with USA Today Sports for two weeks. And I think just doing that internship, I remember I was at a Washington Capitals game. It was like my first professional, like big game I'd covered. And I think just to have an internship in that game, I kind of knew for sure that I wanted to do sports journalism and just been kind of, you know, grinding my way, trying to work for whatever publications I can since. That's great. I was spitting into tubes before COVID. I don't, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> she was also telling me earlier that she's into card. She was into card collecting as a kid too. Oh, a little it. bit. A little bit. A little bit. Okay. I thought you were going to say card counting, like she's a gambler. <laughs> uh, to, uh, card collecting. So uh, you still still have a, have a collection, or? You, I mean, I didn't have like that big of a collection. It was. I, I don't think I knew what I was doing as much at the time, being as young. But you know, you just go to stores and buy them when they were cheap. Never like all expensive and out of stock everywhere, but that was just kind of like a fun thing to do. A lot of them were, were hockey cards at the time because, I mean, I was, you know, a Ravens fan growing up, but like, I really loved hockey. And the Capitals were one of the only good teams like in the DC area. Um, like the Wizards have always been terrible. And I never was a Washington football team fan, though, because in my family was. Uh, and so a lot of those were like, were hockey cards. Because <laughs> yes. I was like, you know, I've won in the DC area likes hockey because no other team is good. That's, yeah, yeah that, that can happen to you. Uh, areas we grew up in, Blair. I was in Philadelphia when, the, let's see, the Sixers were 9-73. and 73. Uh, The Filthies lost uh, like 120 games. And the Eagles were 4-10, and 10, but there were the Flyers. That right. was uh, in the early 70s. Uh, Broad um, Street Bullies. 
Now we're talking. Yeah, my mom's from the Philly area, so. Oh, she is. We'll talk about this (laughs) another time. That's that's great. She's a big fan of hockey from that. Yeah, a little bit from that, yeah. All right, so you're, you, you've moved to Columbia, mm-hmm. and basically, when this podcast runs, we're taping it on Monday, you will be on the beat, you'll have gone to a couple of press availabilities. What do you hope to do with this beat? Um, you've covered colleges, uh, but now you're doing it um, full-time as an occupation, you're getting paid. <laughs> it's always nice. <laughs> yes. Uh, what do you want to do with this beat? I think for me, what I really want to be able to do with this beat is really find the unique stories uh, within Missouri sports and kind of unique stories of athletes and within the different programs there and really share with fans a kind of unique perspective on the program and give them an inside look, whether it's, you know, learning something about a player they didn't know, um, you know, telling unique narratives, really diving into that sort of stuff is what I love doing, you know, obviously along with you know, analysis and all of your kind of basic stuff on a beat. I really just love, uh, you know, feature storytelling and um, finding those things that, you know, haven't really been explored. Ravens going to beat the Chiefs this weekend? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have any running backs or wide receivers. (laughs) Spoken like a true objective journalist here. All right, we're going to talk with you throughout the season, throughout your time here at the Star. Uh, We try to talk to the college writers every week for a show and Vahe, he, he never goes away. So uh, we, <laughs> Vahe has been uh, the most frequent guest on the Sports Beat KC podcast, for which I am eternally grateful. And he does a terrific job. Lila, it is great meeting you. Great having you here at the Kansas City Star. And best of luck. Thank you so much for having me on. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sports Beat KC production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to... Kellis Robinette, Lila Bromberg, and Bahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking Kansas State and Mizzou. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website. And of course, they're posted first on kansascity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. And it's a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, the soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. And heck, I might have been burying the lead here because I wanted to call your attention to something else new. Maybe you know about the Stars E-Edition. That's the replica of the printed newspaper on your screen that comes with your digital subscription. Well, now there's an updated sports section produced separately that goes along with it. When you open the E-Edition, there's a box in the upper right-hand corner. Click on that, and you can access a sports page that includes late afternoon and evening news. So everything, Royals games, Chiefs when they play on Sunday night like they do this week at, at Baltimore, NFL coverage, Major League Baseball, everything. So listen, however you get the star, I want to thank you because you're supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode.